You are listening to the Straight Shooters exclusively on Wildfire Radio. Subscribe to the Straight Shooters podcast on iTunes by visiting the iTunes store and download every episode on wildfireradio.com. Now, here's Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of professional wrestling. Is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Nick Picky. I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a uh, parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? Yeah, as always, with my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he doing? Oh my God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Just maniacism. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What is up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land? My name is Vaughn Johnson. Here to bring you episode 152 of Straight Shooters here on live on YouTube and on so many platforms on demand. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course the mothership WildfireRadio.com. I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. Nick, how you doing tonight, my good brother? Doing good, man. Uh, got a lot to talk about tonight and uh, looking forward to it. So. Uh, I'm ready to get right in it. Yeah, we do got a lot to talk about, man. We're going to talk about uh, CM Punk getting his ass with last Saturday. In the <laughs> UFC. Uh, we're going to talk about all Ring of Honor and what they're trying to do with Madison Square Garden, New Japan. We got to talk about Money in the Bank, too. I mean, that's this weekend and takeover. Money in the Bank and takeover happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And then we're going to talk a little discussion. We always try to do discussions. We, we, we do this little discussion topics every week. But since Kazuchika Okada's long, historically long uh, yeah. reign as IWGP heavyweight champion ended last week at Dominion, uh, we're going to talk about our favorite title reigns. And I guess they could be heavyweight titles or, you know, lesser, you know, secondary titles or tag titles, women's titles even. But our favorite or most impactful or most memorable title reigns in all of wrestling history. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But we're going to start off get this out the way because it happened now what four days ago something like that but cm punk former wrestler who we'll probably talk about a little bit later in our best title reigns in wrestling not in, not in mma no. <laughs> so not, don't get it confused very important to make that distinction yes because in mma cm punk was struggling we talked about it last week where you know cm punk had won his his lawsuit, the the, ju- the jury ruled in favor of him and Coca Banna that they didn't have to pay Doctor the WWE Doctor Chris Amon what was it, almost four million dollars in emotional yeah. damages and yeah. all this stuff. We went through that last week, so if you missed our discussion on that, check out episode one fifty one. <clears throat> but we did talk about the fact that he did also have a fight 
that coming this coming Saturday or that Saturday against a guy named Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson, not Michael Jackson, but Mike Jackson, uh, who of course is you know a professional mixed martial artist, has been doing this for years. And that was going to be CM Punk's second fight. I think he signed a three fight deal, but he's probably not going to get a third fight. But this was his second professional fight ever, not just in the UFC, but ever. And how you know how could it affect you know how could the trial affect his you know you know his 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 cause? How did it affect his training at all? You know, will it hurt his chances of losing the fight? And whether a win or a loss will affect his chance? Will affect his chances of going back to wrestling or not? Regardless of any of that, CM Punk got the hell beat out of him at mm-hmm. UFC 225 in Chicago last week. It looked bad, not just because he's inexperienced, because he just looked like he doesn't know how to fight professionally. Like, <laughs> like not not professionally even. Just he just doesn't. He didn't look cut out for it at all. And it, this is the second fight in what three or four years. He trained two years for this fight and just looked all sorts out of place. Uh, I applaud his courage, but he didn't look good, and and it was kind of an, embarrassing almost. But what, what were your thoughts about CM Punk uh, getting his face beaten by Mike Jackson? No, man, I, I give him all the respect in the world for doing this because it, it's clearly not the easiest thing to do, you, especially going from something that's pro wrestling to MMA. Uh, he's not Brock Lesnar. He's not just built that way, so he needed he needed to train as much as he could, which he, you know, we believe he did and he still got his ass beat. So like, I don't know how much more he could do. The trial that had no ill effects on him. He would have got his ass whooped regardless. Looking at how he looked, he just, that didn't matter. I think Mike Jackson did him a favor because he could have ended the fight before, like in the second round, probably. I think his best round was obviously the first one. He was, he was fresh, and he, he looked not as bad as he did in the second and third rounds. But by the you know four-minute mark of the uh, second round, I just don't, I don't he was, think he, he looked good at all. And I, I, I was ready for it to end anytime soon. And Jackson was just kind of like toying with him. I, even, I, I think I tweeted that. I just like I didn't know what he was doing. I figured he would want to end the fight uh, as soon as possible. But... Um, I, I felt like you, you, I, I kind of felt bad because when, you know, CM Punk was trying to go at him, his hair was like flying everywhere. Like he was just not balanced at all. Like you could totally see that he was just, it was courage. Like that's all he was doing. He was just fighting back. Like that's what he did in the courtroom WWE. He was just fighting back. Like that was his reaction just to fight back. So I give him all the credit in the world, but, um, clearly, you know, we've seen it twice now. Uh, he's just not cut out for it. Yeah, uh, Mike Jackson actually got like Dana. Dana White was pissed. Yeah, he was pissed. He yeah. that fight. he figured he just finish him, just get out of the way because yep. you know he was pissed that Mike Jackson didn't finish him. He was pissed that the fight didn't look good. He thought it, he, he's like he, he said it should have been on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Right, he was putting that that fight on the main card for that show. And I, I mean, the business. It's, from the business standpoint, I understood why because yeah, exactly. in Chicago, CM Punk is still a, a big name in Chicago. But yeah, just for the quality of the fight, it was mm, that was not a main card worthy. Uh, but yes, yeah, just I mean, Dana White's not gonna give him another fight. He could probably go to uh, if he, he really wants to continue to do the MMA thing, which he just simply doesn't look 
cut out for. Like I, I like I said, like you said, Claudius Courage. But man, just does just look like it's for him. Like I, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't have the athletic wherewithal. Looks like to be in MMA. I mean, he has the athletic wherewithal to be in wrestling because it takes athleticism, some great athleticism to be a professional wrestler, especially at the height of WWE. And he, you know, showcased that on a night in, night out basis. But he doesn't that athletic. Yeah, it, doesn't it, goes in, in it goes completely away. It goes completely away in MMA. And, and it, you know. It's different because this is a competitive thing. Wrestling isn't. It's it's like a, it's a it's, it's art. So you're kind of it's like a dance. You're working together. So as much as he showcases athleticism in wrestling, it's still not being met with resistance from another person in the mm-hmm. cage or the ring, or whatever, trying to beat your face in because they're competing against you. They're fighting for notoriety. They're fighting for money. They're fighting for the livelihood. Where in wrestling, you're working together to you know uplift everybody with MMA is doggy dog. That's any other competitive sport. You know, football, mm-hmm. basketball, baseball, you name it. And he, he just he just didn't have it. And, and this is supposed to be the highest quality MMA too. So he didn't do himself yeah. any favors by starting out small and then getting better. He, he just went right into, you, right into UFC. Right he into the like, time. He's, he's already 39 I, years old. Yeah, and I understand. And he still had name value with UFC like he does it now with UFC but you know UFC signing CM Punk was headline worthy everyone was kind of freaking out about it including me I was like oh this is awesome like I'm gonna see CM Punk at UFC but clearly uh you know going right to the UFC probably wasn't the smartest thing but you know it was a it, it all can't underestimate the business aspect of this and that was a huge part of it and his name value so you know go, going into the the highest quality MMA uh, arguably in the world and this is what happens. Yeah, and uh, people thought he probably could do well because he trained MMA or he did yeah. MMA style training before yeah. he was a wrestler. That don't be going against the UFC guys who have doing it for decades. Something like that. Yeah. Even if he, like I said, still wanted to do it and he went to Strike Force, for instance. It's not like those guys are like, oh, oh, so much worse. No, Strike Force right. is just like a notch below UFC as far as quality of talent. And in some ways, they got better talent. So and maybe in some weight classes and whatnot. So, yes, go to Strike Force, Not Strike Force, Bellator is what I meant to say, not Strike Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bellator. That talent is damn near just as good in Bellator as it is in UFC. So, yeah, you can go to Bellator and they do the, the, the uh, I guess you call it the showcase fights where they have Ken Shamrock at like 78. Yeah. <laughs> The Kimbo Slice fights and the Dada Five Thousand fights and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're not opposed to it. It'll probably pop a rating on uh, Spike TV yeah. or not the, maybe the Paramount right really, now. Yeah. But the competition isn't anywhere. Like CM Punk is just going to have a tomato can and beat the hell out of him. Even right. the tomato can in MMA terms could beat the hell out of CM Punk because he just doesn't look like he belongs. I don't think he's yeah. cut out for any fighter that has legit professional experience at any point in their career. Maybe a guy just coming off the street might beat the hell out of me and you because we don't <laughs> have MMA training. But even if you're in Bellator, you have professional experience. You are at least somewhat good at it to be in Bellator. And CM Punk at the, the floor, he, they wiped the floor with him. That same guy. So, like I said, yeah. this, this might have to be the end of the MMA career. What he does next, maybe he goes back to wrestling at some point. He seems legit done with it, but Never say never in, in, in wrestling. Yeah, no, agreed. 
any promotion will take him back that will have that he wants to go to. They'll take him and pay him whatever amount of money he's you know he commands because see, Punk can still be a draw in in wrestling. I mean, people still yeah. people oh, no still doubt. vouch for him. People still like huge fans of his, despite the fact that he wants nothing to do with wrestling. Like and he's made it public, but there's still so many wrestling fans like, oh, I love CM Punk. You know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I can't say I wouldn't pop one if he came back. Oh, of course, that music hit. Like I'd be all, I'd be all in. No pun intended. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing I've noticed about this fight was that people kind of comparing CM Punk and MMA to like Ronda Rousey and WWE, mm-hmm. and it's like what? One Ronda Rousey is a more accomplished athlete than CM Punk. Let's just call it a spade a spade. <laughs> like CM Punk has never been a fighter until the last two years. He's never been to the Olympics. Ronda Rousey did that. Judo champion, MMA champion, now UFC Hall of Famer, which WWE is going to shove down our throats every single week. But they might not even say UFC. They will just say this Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, Ronda Rousey is look so way more far and above an accomplished athlete than CM Punk. Let's not forget who CM Punk is or started out as. He's an end. He was started out as just a just a backyard independent wrestler with no athletic background. Never played baseball, as far as we know, at least. Never played baseball, basketball, football. Like never amateur wrestled. Just a guy who backyard wrestled a little bit. Got into got into the independence. And then worked his way up to the top of the business. But Ronda Rousey is a highly accomplished athlete, competitive in competitive sports. The transition from her going to MMA to wrestling was much less of a, a curve, a learning curve, much less steep, if that's the right verb to use, than CM Punk going from wrestling to MMA with no competitive athletic experience in his background, his repertoire. And Ronda Rousey, in her one match, showed that she was pretty good. And he's on one mm-hmm. match on television. And her, as far as her untelevised matches, you can't say that she's been bad. So the little I've seen, she's good. She's going to be even better with time. Stop hating on her because she's an outsider. This is nothing new. People and it's funny. Going to it's funny because I and I heard the criticism. Well, look who she was in the ring with. Like, but that's the whole point of wrestling. Like, you're. That's the whole point. Triple H is good at what he does. Stephanie is good at what she does. Uh, Kurt Angle, like you, you can't get any better so so why is it a knock on her because she was surrounded with that like the fact that she fit in the fact that she looked good should should be a compliment to her not not like a notch against her and that's a lot of what i got too where oh well look who she was with you know that's why her match at wrestlemania was good it's like but that's the whole point of pro wrestling like you're able to do that like I don't understand the people that just want to see her fail. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just the same with Punk on the other side. Like I, I thought it was stupid for but, people rooting for him to fail. But but at least in MMA, it's like it's a more serious thing. Yeah, and he literally did not belong. He has no he had no right. credibility in being in the MMA. Correct. So at at that level, maybe yeah. he started out on the in a you know I don't want to call outlaw promotion, but an independent type promotion somewhere else, maybe, but. He had no business being there. Ronda Rousey can legitimately beat up everyone on the roster, men included, except maybe Brock Lesnar yeah. because he's twice her size. But everybody else, she can beat him up. Absolutely. So, like, how does she not have – the credibility is already there for her. So it's, it's just people I – don't, I don't understand. It's like they don't pay their dues and whatnot. Like, relax, people. This is 
different. This is a, way different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's I good. Agree. That segment she had with Nia Jax on Monday was damn good, I thought. Well, people are still going to get get mad at her mic skills. Like she she, she has to improve. She has to improve. Like this happens to everybody. You don't just come out no matter what whether you have training or not and instantly kill it on the mic. Right. You, you don't. The Rock didn't. Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't, you know? Like even when he was getting popular, his his best promo was the king of the ring which kind of skyrocketed his career so you know i never expected her to you know be this this badass figure on the mic and in the ring at first and i think maybe that's what people were hoping and that's why they're criticizing or maybe it's just them going see like i knew she wouldn't amount to anything when it's not even been half a year yet into her run so yeah it's just you know, it, I, I just don't like that when, when people use that. Stop hate. Just stop hate. It's all right. It's yeah. going to be okay. Uh, can't hate what's going on in Ring of Honor right now. They're doing some good, good business. Uh, you might, people might not agree, might not like what everything they see on the television shows and whatnot, but they're doing good business and they're feeling good about themselves so much so they, they're trying to, and they've openly said that they're going to try to run Madison Square Garden in 2019. Now, why would they do that? Because WrestleMania is in that area really? in 2019. WrestleMania 35 is going to be at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where it was, of course, was it now be five years ago, WrestleMania 29. Yeah. So, of course, New York, New, New Jersey area that's going to be plugged all over the place. So you would imagine that, of course, indie promotions already, including Ring of Honor, are independent, but other promotions always descend upon WrestleMania weekend and try to take advantage of that fan base, of the, that to piggyback off of that in Ring of Honor, I guess maybe up. I don't know if this is going to be this particular weekend, but if I had to guess, this is what they were trying to do. They would try to run rest, Madison Square Garden to WrestleMania weekend because I don't think WWE is going to be there WrestleMania weekend. Well, so, but didn't they use that for the Hall of Fame ceremony? They did. I don't know if they're oh. going to do that again, though. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you because it kind of seems like Barclays is their place, right? Barclays yeah. didn't exist in 2013, correct. So that you know that wasn't until like a year or two later when Barclays is like the building in New York. That's yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they trust me, WWE doesn't like does not like running TV at Madison Square Garden. That's why they always go to Barclays. But regardless of when this show potential show is going to happen, if it does happen, uh, that's a huge thing for Madison <laughs> Ring of Honor. Obviously, because Madison Square Garden is the mecca arena in our country. If you're not, if you're listening overseas, something like that, Madison Square Garden, you probably heard if you don't watch enough wrestling, is like the world's most famous arena. That's what they call it. But it is the arena to be in if you're in the United States. If you do something in Madison Square Garden, you are somebody. But also because w, that's WWE's home turf. It's always been their home turf since going back to the '60s. I mean, years to 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 the elder Vince McMahon, you know, Vince Vincent Kennedy McMahon's father. And Bruno San Martino, and, and and before that even, Madison Square Garden is WWE's home territory. They have a home arena. It's MSG. And but the thing about that is that WWE has blocked promotions from being there, like WCW, like well, I don't say ECW, but any other promotion that's not WWE, rarely ever, or have never, run 
Madison Square Garden. So Ring of Honor is able to pull that off. That's huge, just from the standpoint of it's WWE's home turf. And that's the... They hate being referred to it as an independent promotion. It's not, so though. It's backed by like not, a $5 million, like a billion, like, billion dollars. I agree promotion. with you, but that's not, that doesn't stop everyone from referring to them as an independent promotion, whether it's, you know... They just hate that label. So they should because uh, it's it's factually incorrect. Well, people are gonna be people, and I'm actually looking forward to this. I really ho- I, I doubt they'll they're gonna sell out, but you know I didn't think All In would sell out as quickly as it did. But hey, things things have been weird in, in wrestling the last few years. There would be plenty of WWE fans there, man. So. It would not surprise me if it was sold out, even though I just said I don't think they will. But don't count out wrestling fans. I, I, I don't we want to support a cause. We will support that cause. That it's ingrained in my head now. You know, like I'm like Ring of Honor, Madison Square Garden. That'd be badass. And if it doesn't happen, I'll kind of be let down a little bit. Well, the fact that they're talking about it, and, and by the way, they talked about it in a story on the I think it was a Business Journal. Uh, and I get the quote from Kate's IC because you got to have a subscription to read Business Journal. But, you know, so we have been scaling in terms of our production quality. We have not really brought it, brought it all Sinclair because well, we're just talking about production quality, I guess, in that quote. Regardless, they're looking to run that building. And this is, they've said it in a story with the Business Journal, the Baltimore Business Journal, and um, that they're, they're trying to do this. This is a thing. You know, the, the it's not like a secret. It's not like, oh, reportedly, this is something Ring of Honor has talked about. So, you know, I would lean toward possibly happening. Yeah, and it's about time that one of these, you know, I actually thought when Cody and the Young Bucks were talking about this event they were throwing, I my first instinct was they're going to try Madison Square Garden. I knew, I knew they yeah, were only looking at like 10,000, so I knew it probably wasn't exactly going to be Madison Square Garden and obviously it wasn't because they're in Chicago and uh, but imagine like that type of event being held at Madison Square Garden. That'd be a little Man, too expensive for them though. No, I agree but here's, here's the thing, that was my first thought about that. The interesting thing is that All In isn't necessarily a totally independent show apparently because Ring of Honor apparently has put that on their calendar as one of their shows which is not really surprising because you look at the card look at the, the talent that they've named the majority of it are Ring of Honor guys. So it's not, not surprising yeah. that Ring of Honor has financially, if they, you know, financially backed it in some respects. Mm-hmm. So it's not totally independent, but it's still like independently promoted. Ring of Honor hasn't yeah. been promoted at all. Right. But regardless, you know, that's that's a little interesting thing that also came out of that uh, Baltimore Business Journal story. Uh, speaking of Ring of Honor and people they've kind of partnered with, mm-hmm. uh, how about their international partner in New Japan Pro Wrestling? And they had a fantastic show last week at Dominion. Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada tore the house down again. Chris Jericho's new IWGP Intercontinental Champion beating Naito, uh, Tetsuya Naito in, a, in another great match. But the topic of discussion quickly switched from how great that show was to why doesn't New Japan have any women's wrestling? And it's a good question, in my opinion, because why doesn't it? why not you know there are women's all women's promotions in Japan like stardom uh, which also works with Ring of Honor 
uh, that do fairly, I guess, fairly well for what they're what they're doing. They're still in business, obviously, and they create stars. Uh, but they have no it has no affiliation with New Japan, and people are kind of saying whether you know it's it's a there's not an appetite for it over there. There's they don't have to do it, and all this and that. But you, know, you still wonder because there's there's women's Japanese wrestlers out there who probably would love to be in the Tokyo Dome, probably love to be in Sumo Hall or Seibu Dome or whatever. They don't get the chance to do it because now in New Japan. So how, how do you feel about the fact that New Japan doesn't have women's wrestling and should they have it moving forward? It's really tough to try and be like, so I'm all for good. Like I stand for good. I want equality for men and women and in all platforms. So it makes sense to tr- say like New Japan for as great as a wrestling program they for for as great as the shows they put on like why not include women's wrestling i know they have women's only promotions there but um you know they always t- they still take a back seat uh because they're not shown on the quote unquote bigger shows um so yeah i i want to see women's wrestling on these new japan shows like dominion wrestle kingdom you know like they deserve a place there. They deserve to have the, a women's title defended there. Uh, and then I, there's the other side of the argument where they're not totally against, as they would have you say, they're not against women being included in those shows. It's just their custom, their culture, and trying to force those quote-unquote Western ideologies on their culture uh, shouldn't be a thing that happens, you know. Th- uh, they're more Westernized than they were, you know, when we were at war with Japan, obviously, like decades, decades and decades ago. But it, it, it is kind of weird that they're not promoting these women on these New Japan shows uh, as WWE is. You know, if New Japan wants to expl- expand globally, which they're they started to do a year or two ago, uh, or at least talk about it. You know, that's something that will help them if they include these women. That that would help them uh, ex- in their expansion, I, I think, in the eye of the, you know, fan. Yeah, so, people, people are going to wonder. Yeah, and, you know, that as much as I think it's cool that they have women's only promotions, uh, you know, like, why not dedicate, the like, a time slot during their weekly show on access to like highlight a match or something that and maybe like cross promote with them and not just ring of honor, not just like not partner with, you know, someone in America, like a organization in America like that. Uh, but kind of showcase the women a little bit in their weekly one hour show on access. Uh, I don't think that's too much to ask. I, I don't know the log- logistics behind it or how they would, how would they work it out? Obviously they're not thinking of doing it because they haven't done it, but I think it's important and find a way to, to get the women on the show simply because they're trying to expand. And if you're trying to expand in into the quote unquote Western market and you don't have women on the show, people are going to start exploiting that. And they have already. Yeah. Yeah. And, the thing is, like, women's wrestling used to be pretty big in Japan. I mean, you talk about Bull Nakano, you talk about Aja Khan. Yeah. yeah. 
legendary names. Medusa for, for years was big in Japan. So it's not like women's wrestling has never existed in Japan. It's some brand new thing. It's existed for decades. And it was in some ways on even footing with the men, I, I think. I mean, they, they did some big shows with the women over there. So it's not like <clears throat> some in, it's not like women's wrestling is just some new venture that people aren't familiar with. They, like I said, they clearly were. So I don't know if I buy that as like, oh, there's no appetite for it. I mean, you could, I guess people will make that argument and say because so many women's promotions over there have gone defunct, you know. But that doesn't mean you can't recreate that. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, try, still try again, especially New Japan is white hot as it is. And they're going to, like you said, try to expand. If you, the more and more you expand, the more and more people wonder. WWE's got women. Where's who's the new yeah. Japan women's champ? Or now, does, and would that really like put a cast a, a, a bad image I, on them from the fans that are there in Japan now? Would they like look at that and be like, "Oh, women are included"? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's clearly. I mean, I don't think in Japan it, it is really hurting their business that much because. If anything, they're growing business over yeah. you think. So it's not like it's hurting their business, but I think people wonder and it's it's definitely interesting, you know, we can't control their business, but I think it'd be cool if they had women's wrestling in New Japan. I think it'd be I think it's like said, equality and stuff like that. Like why not? What's what's the reason not to? You got like yeah. what, like as Sean said on his Twitter, they got like shows where they have like six mans, eight mans, and it's just like kind of the same formula for their for a lot of their shows, why not sprinkle some women's wrestling in there? Create an IWGP women's title and have some of the best Japanese wrestlers going. And we know there's some great ones out there. Have them on a New Japan show. Why not? Why yeah. not? Like I haven't really heard a legit reason as to why not. At least, I think the 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 biggest reason you'd probably hear against that is just quote unquote their culture. Like they're just not. "Quote ready yet to make that a full time thing?" I don't know. I've that, seen that. I've seen those arguments on Twitter. And I'm this thinking, isn't, this isn't Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I agree. I completely Japan. agree. But I'm eligible to drive? Like, <laughs> like, come on! Like, this isn't Saudi Arabia. This is Japan. I agree. I understand it's a different culture, and you we saw we said it before the Greatest World Rumble. You can't just go in and change someone else's culture like that. It takes a little bit of time. If even if yeah, they're very far behind, but. It's going to take time. It's, people are very adverse to change. Yeah, and you know what? So, they, sorry, yeah. my, my fault. I didn't mean, you know, my nah, nah, I don't see what they'd be adverse to the change over. There's not really a change. It's like women's wrestling has never existed in Japan. Exactly. And there aren't legendary women's wrestlers. You see, we WWE's got them. They got like three of the best ones: Oscar, mm-hmm. Kairi Sane, and they signed another one. I can't remember the name at the top of her head, but they 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 got their women's wrestlers they, they, instead of. Them going to WWE, they could be in New Japan right now. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it's just, this isn't like oh, it's their culture. People weren't saying that when it was Saudi Arabia. There's oh, WWE, you know, suck. And, and and I understand because WWE does tout the fact that they're all all about the women and they couldn't mm-hmm. let the women on the show. But this is New Japan. This is their culture. This is not like WWE going into another to a foreign country. They're not familiar with new territory and yeah. changing the culture. This is this is New Japan. It's, I don't think there's any rules against women's wrestling over there. So. <laughs> no, and you know the WWE women's roster is going to be on those shows when they go toward Japan. You know, it's not they don't have their separate shows or anything like that. Right. So, so just like kind of include them in it, and I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I don't think 
like maybe they're afraid that when the women come out, then that's when everyone goes to the bathroom or something. I don't know. Maybe I they're afraid know. of that. Who, who knows? Know. It's just maybe the, whatever the reason is. I think it is a good, you know, it's, it's a good thing to talk about and discuss and and say, hey, look, New Japan, because people always kind of heap praise New Japan no matter what they do. You know, I saw a stat that that showed like that Okada had the title longer than Brock Lesnar, but had less title defenses. And then Brock Lesnar, people rag on Brock Lesnar, but talk about how great Okada's title reign was. Granted, Okada had like four or five classics <laughs> during his title reign. Uh, but yeah. still, you know, you look at the, the, just the numbers of title defenses and days held. They're about the same, you know, the same ballpark, I should say. Mm-hmm. So people don't really point that out when it comes to Okada. I think because he had the classic matches he had, but that, that I say that to say that people aren't really jumping to jump on New Japan for something they might do wrong. And they're quicker to jump on WWE because, yeah. hey, they're the big bad wolf, they're the giant, they're the juggernaut, and they also tout, they toot their own horns so much when it comes to this women's resolution stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it is a fair topic of discussion. And, again, I ask, why not have women's wrestling? And don't tell me that there is no appetite. And don't tell me that it's their culture. I'm not buying those as reasons to not have women's wrestling in New Japan. Maybe they're they're thinking they'll upstage the men. They can't have that. Uh, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I hope not. But no, I agree. I, it's it's an interesting conversation, and it, it cracks me up that there are still people out there that are. You know, don't think that – I don't want to say it's a problem, but don't think it can be better. Like, oh, it's fine the way it is. Like, no, it can be better, and it will be better, I believe, in the future. Yeah, New Japan is doing great things, so it's not like we're dragging on New Japan. They're doing some really good stuff, but it's also topic of – raise some questions. Hey, why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, moving on from that type of stuff, we got some – we got some – one pay-per-view, I guess, and the other WWE Network special. Well, there really aren't any pay-per-views anymore, really. I mean, who's buying WWE pay-per-views? Yeah, I mean, they still call them is. pay-per-views, though. It's still weird. Because technically, but... they're still on pay-per-view. They're still carried on pay-per-views, but who's buying them? Like, $50, $60? Yeah. You're going to spend $50, $60 no, for money in the bank this weekend? Out your rabbit-ass mind if you do. <laughs> but if you do, it takes place Sunday, this coming Sunday, June 17th, uh, in Chicago. Chicago's got a lot of big events coming just yeah. the last two weeks. Uh, we got UFC, Money in the Bank, TakeOver, All In's coming in September. That's only a couple months away. It's a lot yeah. going on in Chicago or the Chicago area. I That's say. right after SummerSlam, too. It's like September 1st, so yeah. a week or two right after that. Yeah, but we got a uh, another cold branded show. They're all, they're all cold <laughs> The second ever. Yeah, the second ever. <laughs> uh, Money in the Bank, which is usually. To be fair, one of the more intriguing, exciting shows of the year. That's the reason why it's now part of the Big Five, I guess, where you know this would have been a co-branded show regardless of the new co-branded mantra they have now for the pay-per-views because they got to take over this weekend. I don't know if they're doing like an access or anything like that. I don't, I don't think they are, but I think they're doing the Raw and SmackDown from Chicago as well, right? Yeah, I think this is one of those four-day weekend right. type things. So... But it's a good reason. Like we, we talked about it in the past. If I were 
booking if I was running WWE, I would just do away with Survivor Series and Money in the Bank would be my fifth biggest show or make Survivor Series Starcade or something like that. But Money in the mm-hmm. Bank is always a fun show. So let's get to the predictions of this show, shall we? Let's start from the bottom to the top as they're listed on WWE.com, which is funny thing. The poster for this show is Rousey and Nia Jax, which I don't blame them for because Ronda Rousey is the biggest name on this card. Let's face it. But the match listed at the top of the card on WWE.com is the last man standing match for the WWE Championship between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Am I upset about that That might main event, I guess? This is on top of the list here. No. But I wouldn't blame WWE for putting Rousey in her first singles match, by the way, in the main event uh, against Nia Jax. But We'll start with the WWE Championship. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Who you got winning here? Oh, man. I picked him last time, and I, I, I lost, but I'm going with him again. I think Nakamura wins the title here. I just... You can't keep putting these guys together and having Nakamura not come out as champion. Like if And last man standing, it's kind of like a, okay, a feud ender. Uh, Styles, you know, he doesn't need to be champion at this point. I want to see Nakamura have a run and see what he can do. And uh, I think I think he deserves it at this point. So I'm going knock. I Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, I can see if they keep it on AJ Styles and maybe have him lose at SummerSlam. But Nakamura has to win this, right? Like, he's been doing, to my surprise, a hell of a job as a heel. And... He almost kind of deserves yeah. at least a month with the the, the title, right? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I give it to Nakamura. He's he he's done pretty much everything they've asked of him to pretty either pretty good or really well. And I would say really well as in his heel turn. So yeah, why not? You know, AJ Styles has had it since December. That's a pretty long reign, and and for if you're Wasn't not it, uh, November because he that. Survivor Series, he faced Lesnar, so it was even before. Oh that. yeah, I forgot and about it, that. Like it, it just feels. he won it on the UK show. So yeah, November. Oh yeah. So if you're not Brock Lesnar, that's a hell of a ring. <laughs> We're talking like seven months here. He's had yeah. this title. So time for yeah, a change, man. It could be, and Nakamura's done some good stuff. So and you put them together for like four or five times. Nakamura hasn't got the title. Give him the title. Uh, next up on WWE.com's card is. The men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, who's in this match? We got Braun Strowman. We got Finn Balor. We got The Miz. We got Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and one of the three members of the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods. That has not been that has not been determined yet. Could be anybody. I like which cool. I do. I like that as well. It could be all three of them. Who knows? But <laughs> the funny thing about that is. They are free bird ruling not just the tag titles, but they're free bird ruling singles titles. So if they <laughs> win the money in the bank, they're all Mr. Money in the Bank. That's and funny. If they win a WWE title or whatever title they cash in on, they'd all be WWE <laughs> champion. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, I know I didn't kind of like it with the whole co champion thing with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But for whatever reason, it'd still be really funny with the new day. <laughs> Yeah, and so you talk about Bobby Bobby Roode just seems to kind of stick out here to me. I don't know what the heck he's doing 
in this match, but uh, I, I I like to give my prediction. I said earlier this year that the Miz was going to win the world championship in 2018. I still believe that. And I believe this is his avenue of doing it. So I'm going with the Miz. Yes. I don't think Braun Strowman is going to win. They put him over way too strong for him to win. He doesn't even need money. Like, why would he need that? Like, you would That's think a prop. Does it know? seem like, like something that a guy like Braun Strowman would need? No. Ben Balor, I think, could be a sneaky candidate. The Miz, I kind of agree with you there. I feel the same way did, if you feel about Braun Strowman. I feel the same way about Samoa Joe. As much as I would think it would be cool to have see Samoa Joe with the, with the Money in the Bank briefcase, I don't think he necessarily needs it to win the title. So it's really... I think Bobby Roode has no shot. I think Kevin Owens <laughs> would be a viable candidate. Rusev could be a viable. All right, here to me it comes down to Balor, Miz, Rusev, Owens, and maybe New Day because it'd be intriguing. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is tough. But I, I, yeah, I might go with the Miz. Yeah. They've been kind of like keeping him kind of like, I want to say he's out of featured match. He's been in featured matches, but he hasn't been like cutting a lot of promos. Like, yeah. He's been kind of quiet. And that's usually a recipe for somebody winning money in the bank. Yeah. So and like, he doesn't one. have a prop with him. Like, the IC title was his prop or in his promos. And yeah. he put that front and center. And I would, like, I would love the promos with the briefcase. Now, what he would come up with. Imagine what they did if they had Nakamura beat AJ Styles. Nakamura retains, I guess. I don't know what the July pay-per-view is. I honestly don't. It's probably Battle... of Fire? No, no it's not Battle of Fire. It's probably Battleground or something like that. I can look it up. Did they do Extreme Rules yet? Maybe it's Extreme Rules. I don't know. You might be right. It, I mean, it. Uh, it is Extreme Rules. That, no. that will be in July. That will be July uh, July 15th. In Pittsburgh. Oh, no. Okay, what's wrong with that? It's a terrible date for me. Why is that? Uh, I just got a lot going on that weekend. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's in Pittsburgh. But let's say that they did Nakamura beat, beats AJ Styles. He retains at Extreme Rules, which I can see them doing because, you know, that, that furthers a feud, another match. Yeah. And you have Nakamura versus Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam, potentially. Let's say Daniel Bryan wins. Mm. He's champion. And in the scene reminiscent, oh, still Goldberg on uh, – the Goldbergs. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Goldberg on the Goldbergs. Yeah. But he wins, and it seems reminiscent of five years ago at SummerSlam. Miz cashes in on him, and then off you go with that feud. And you off to the races just with that. So I think that could be a potential. That's how I would do it, at least. I would. I just, WWE, I just gave you three months of TV. Do it. You're welcome. We're sending you this if you're not listening, damn it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Send the invoice in the mail to highlight your boy Boulevard <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, we agree on that. It's Let's a great, go. Great idea. <laughs> Let's go to the women's Money in the Bank match: Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. Here's the thing: I think the women's the men's match is going to be really good. 
But if you got Sasha Banks, Naomi, Ember Moon, and Charlotte in a ladder match, wow, that could be hella good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who you got for as far as a winner, though? Man, I'm going the predictable route. And I've said before many a time, predictable is not always bad. I'll go with Natalia. It's yeah. Kind of foreshadow. Yeah, because so, it, 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 makes, it makes sense in a way. Because they, this friendship. I, I bought into it. Like, I'm into it. There, You can't convince me any other person is going to win that match at because, this point. Because you're looking at the next step, right? <laughs> exactly. all, we've all done it. Exactly. So you, you know this friendship with Natalia Ronda Rousey isn't going to last. <laughs> this is wrestling. And Natalia was just a heel like three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was like she did anything to become a babyface besides be friends with Ronda Rousey. She showed up one week and was like, Ronda, my pal. And everyone's right. like, oh, Natalia is great. Right. That's it. That's all she did. <laughs> that's all. Right happened. before that, she was beating people up and yeah. the, in the back and all. Any heel thing. It's on everyone. So, yeah, Natalia potentially wins, which would be cool. I think that'd be cool when Natalia yeah, you know, yeah. winning her first Money in the Bank. This is the third Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, not the second, because they had another one on SmackDown last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that'd be a cool little feather in the cap of Natalia. And I think it makes sense to put her and Rousey together because they are familiar with each other, and Natalia's really good. But that leads into the Raw Women's Championship match. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. Nia Jax, I thought was going to be in line for a lengthy reign. I think it comes to an end at Money in the Bank. Now, granted, she did get the Ronda Rousey did do the tap out thing on Monday, which kind of made me go, hmm, maybe WWE is not going to go that direction at Money in the Bank. Regardless, I think what we just laid out with Natalya and Ronda Rousey is, is good for SummerSlam or even uh, Extreme Rules, probably. I guess it'll be SummerSlam because Natalia can cash in like at Extreme Rules or something like that. Mm-hmm. She can cash in whenever. But it's weird what they've done with Nia Jax though because she was like preaching out against bullies and yeah. now she's like yeah, it's like, just sort of like a heel. No or, damn sense. Right. But sort of a heel but not total heel. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, she's getting a big match out of it. Rousey is in the UFC Hall of Fame. You know WWE is, can't wait to put the title on her now. She's in the yeah. some 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 mainstream credibility, some legitimate credibility. <laughs> Ooh, you get a championship now. So <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I'm going. I'm going Rousey. Uh, I'm going Rousey too, but uh, like you said, with the way they did that angle on Raw, you know, maybe you go, Okay, maybe Naya does something to make Ronda snap and Maybe Ronda wins the match, and then we have like a SummerSlam '93 Bret Hart Jerry Lawler, where she won't let go of the hold, and the referee eventually reverses the decision. Nia wins by DQ or something. I could see that maybe going into July. Maybe they have a rematch, and Ronda wins there. But it just everything for me works for it to happen at Money in the Bank with Ronda winning, and then Natalia cashing in. Uh, come, maybe coming out to celebrate with her briefcase and like hugging Ronda and then like oh, that'd be great. Ronda. Yeah, so yeah, you're right, I, I, you I'm won. sold on that. <laughs> and she turns around, crash <laughs> right in the back. That's awesome, man. That'd be really awesome, actually. I can see the, like the gifts from when Seth Rollins turned on the shield. They'll have Natalia <laughs> with the steel chair and Ronda as Roman Reigns. And, what? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really good, actually. Uh, how about the SmackDown Women's Championship match? Carmella versus Asuka. I'm going with Asuka just because it's Asuka. Same. All right. 
Roman Reigns <laughs> versus Jinder Mahal. Uh, I think Who we cares? know where this is going to go. So, um, <laughs> Reigns. Uh, Roman Reigns. Um, especially after Jinder Mahal got the best of him on Monday. So yeah. You know, he's yeah. He outsmarted him. Yeah, he's, you know he's beating Jinder Mahal with a <laughs> righteous spear straight to the gut. Uh, SmackDown tag team title match, the Bludgeon Brothers and the Good Brothers. How about that? That's going to be on a kickoff show. So that that's yes. just in the order of WWE.com. I didn't even see that was on a kickoff show, but we can talk about it. Who you got winning here? Uh, I'll go Bludgeon Brothers just because I'm not really like keeping track of the tag team division at this point. Nothing's really standing out to me. Maybe I don't know if I'm missing some good stuff, but uh, Bludgeon Brothers should probably lose to a high-profile team. And at this point, I don't think the Good Brothers are. Yeah, I agree. Uh, how about the worst feud in... I know which one you're talking I don't about. Know how long? Not like one segment in this feud has been good. No, like multiple terrible segments <laughs> in this program have been bad, which is a shame because Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn are two great athletes who I think if just given... Just put them in the ring, and Money in the Bank could show this, they could have a really good match with a clashing of styles, and it just could be fantastic. But they've been handed the worst creative in recent memory. Agreed. Somebody's got to win this match, though. Who you got? I go with the good guy, Lashley. I agree. I don't think they brought Lashley back to lose to Sami Zayn in his first <laughs> big pay-per-view match. Right. Back. But... I also didn't think they'd bring him back to have his some guys in drag pose as his sisters, neither. And then also <sighs> to have him do a boot camp type obstacle course on live television, neither. I didn't think they'd bring him back to do that. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. WWE, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Intercontinental Championship match. This should be a good match. Seth Rollins versus Elias. Probably one of my favorite build-ups. Uh, that's not any of the latter matches. Uh and I loved the segment this past week. Uh, Elias gets such a big crowd reaction, and I think that's what draws me in. And he's so entertaining on the mic; like he's quick. Uh, you know, he he showed that he's be- he's he belongs. And the fact that he had a, a guitar with the Intercontinental title painted on it, like it was freaking awesome. Uh, I don't think he wins the title here, but I could see. I could see him winning maybe count out. Like I don't want to put Rollins over Elias yet because you know, God forbid, they know uh, they protect some people, but then other in, in other feuds, wins and losses don't matter. I think they're going to protect Elias here. So uh, I think maybe you know DQ or a count out, something like that, where he wins, so he can have like a rematch down the road. I think Seth Rollins wins. Uh, I can see what your theory that he could. Retained by disqualification or count or something like that, but I think he just wins. Seth Rollins, nice little title defense. Uh, <clears throat> excuse I'm me. Moving on to the night before, though, we got NXT Takeover in Chicago. Daniel Bryan, big cast. Oh yeah, yeah. I just moved on straight from that because I don't really care that <laughs> much. But I got Daniel Bryan winning. Again. Me too. All right, to right. takeover. Uh, how can I forget? I'm sorry, Daniel Bryan. I apologize. And big. Yeah, I don't think he'll mind. That's my bad, but. Uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. They're numbering this now. Uh, like Brooklyn. So NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. I guess they've got to do one every year if you're going to number it, right? Yeah. Uh, but 
NXT Championship. It's only five matches on this card, which is typical for an NXT card. Uh, top of the card, NXT Championship, Alistair Black versus Lars Sullivan. Who you got? I'll go Black, retaining. Because, uh, like, as much as I love what they're doing with Lars, uh, Black just won the title, and he sh- should have, like, a lengthy run with it. So. Good thing. Let's I see. agree. I go Alistair Black, although I'm a big fan of Lars Sullivan. Uh, street fight. This is going to be good. We know it's going to be good. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. I'm going with Tommaso Ciampa. Me too. And that surprises me that you're going the same way I am. I think he needs to win. He yeah. lost at New Orleans. Johnny Gargano is going to lose his job or something like that over right. this loss. It's a street fight, so he could potentially... I, mean, I guess the last match was an unsanctioned match, so he could have cheated to win that yeah. one too, but some nefarious means. Gargano's already got his big revenge over Ciampa. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to get some more heat on Ciampa by winning this match. I don't know how he does it, but Ciampa has to win. Yeah, I and I, I think where I would love to see this feud play out like over the rest of the year, um, I don't think that are going to go that route. So maybe we see a new addition into this feud and maybe someone attacks Gargano on behalf of Ciampa and then they go with that. I don't know who it would be. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But yeah, that's I, I think Ciampa wins and that could be a, a reason how. Yep, I agree. The NXT Women's Championship match, Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross. Who you got? Man, I'll go Nikki here. Ooh, I like awesome. I like Shayna and I like what she's been doing, but uh, you know, I, lo- I like what Nikki's been doing too, and I could, may, I'm, I could see them going back and forth a little bit with the title. I do not see that at all. I see Shayna Baszler winning, and I see Nikki Cross losing and going to the main roster. I think she joins the rest of her sanity mates because they haven't been on SmackDown yet. I think yeah. they're probably holding oh, them off till this match because I don't think maybe I'm I'm tripping, uh, I'm misremembering, but I don't think Nikki Cross has had a one-on-one women's championship match on a takeover. She. I know she had a match against Oscar on NXT TV, which was yeah. hella good. But I don't remember her having a one-on-one match at a takeover. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure you guys will correct me. But I think they did want to give Shayna Baszler a credible opponent in her first title defense. Nikki Cross serves that purpose. But after this, to the, this may, I think it makes sense. Sanity hasn't debuted yet. They can still debut with her. They're not as good. They're not as good without her. I think they need her. She's like the best part of the group, in my opinion. Nikki Cross. So, Shayna Baszler wins this match. I think it'd be a really good match, though. I think Nikki Cross will give her a hell of a fight. But, moving on, is dubbing this the King Ricochet versus the Prince Velveteen Dream. <laughs> this is probably going to tear the yep. damn house down. Yep. I got Ricochet. But Velveteen Dream could use the win. That's the thing about this, like, mm-hmm. you could go either way, I think, with these guys. Yeah, uh, I want to see these guys go more than just one match, so I'll go Velveteen Dream. Okay. And uh, you know what was the last week or the week before where Ricochet flipped out of the ring like on his feet without even touching anything, and Velveteen like Velveteen Dream's reaction was the same as mine, and I was like, "What?" And that was perfectly uh, done, perfectly shot. They yeah, just, they just yeah. did it right, man. They just and did. It. They didn't so say I, nothing else. It's just like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" And just dropped the mic and backed away. And yeah, like, yeah. That's all you have to do. It's simple stuff. And I think Velveteen does something that maybe shocks Ricochet and beats him. Like, I don't Ooh, know. I like that. I like yeah. that. Look at you telling stories tonight. All right. <laughs> yeah. Booking the territory. And that's why I want Velveteen to win. Like, I feel like 
that just makes sense. And NXT is the brand in WWE that makes the most sense at this point. Yeah. Remember how cool the Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black story was, where all Velveteen yeah. wanted was to say Alistair Black to say his name. And even though he lost, Alistair Black, out of respect, said his name, and the Velveteen Dream had this look of satisfaction. Yeah, like, like he won the match. <laughs> like, that was the funniest thing, man. <laughs> it was like he lost, but he won. Like, yeah, uh, he said my name. That's all I needed. This, this character is awesome. Like, I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, last match to talk about NXT TakeOver. Undisputed Era versus only Lorcan and Danny Burch. Their first TakeOver match together. Wow. That should be cool. Yeah. Uh, they're like they're almost they're giving me a vibe of a new DIY kind of vibe. I don't, but I don't think they're yeah. going to win on this I night. don't either. There it wins. Yep. And that's TakeOver. And we got, damn, we took up a lot of time talking about mm-hmm. all that stuff. But we can quickly go through our discussion topic. Not really quickly, because we can go as long as we want. Screw it. Uh, some of our <laughs> Favorite title reigns in history. So, like I said, Akata lost last week, ended his, I mean, I forget how many days it was. Two plus year, like two and a half year, I think. Yeah, like 500 some odd days with the title, the IWGP heavyweight title. So it got me to thinking, who were some (laughs) of the best heavyweight, or not just heavyweight, but just title reigns, period, in wrestling history? I'll allow you to start it off there, Nick. Oh, man, I'm going to go... Captain Obvious, and we you mentioned it earlier in this podcast. CM Punk's reign from 2011, I believe he won it, through 2012 and lost it to The Rock at, at the Royal Rumble 2013. He had some great title defenses there. He started off his reign as a face, and then in the middle of the reign, he went heel. Like You just don't see stuff like that happen anymore. And even like years before that, like you, you just didn't see it. Uh, he was, you know, obviously gold on the mic. Uh, perfect storyline. Uh, you know, just everything about that, I think, really hit every week. You know, it, there was never a dull week, I think, with him as well, champion. The, the thing that kind of hurts the Saturn Rain for me is that he didn't main event all the pay per views. Not really his fault. Uh, WWE just wanted to put John Cena in all the main events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the front half was okay, did the Jericho stuff. Daniel Bryan stuff was pretty good, but the back half was where the money was, I thought, where you had him turn heel, like you said, yeah. the Ryback stuff, which wasn't really supposed to happen because that was supposed to be I thought that was one of the more entertaining things, and I think yeah. that's kind of underrated. And it popped a buy rate for WWE. Yeah. I think that was, I think what pay-per-view that was. I want to say it was uh, Hell, hell of a Cell, right? Yeah, so popped the, popped the rate, popped, made some money off of it, and then that out of that came the Shield, and then also, you know, his view with The Rock. And so, yeah, I think the back half was better than the front half. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's definitely for this era, it's a hell of a reign. Is until recently the standard for which we call, you know, great reigns. Speaking of that, like I said, just until recently, Brock Lesnar, you know, CM Punk had the longest reign in the last, like, what, 25 years or whatever. Brock Lesnar just recently broke that. But that's not the reign I'm going to talk about with Brock Lesnar. And this ain't the most memorable or best. I just wanted to bring it up because it's a nice segue. But... <laughs> I thought Brock Lesnar's reign in 2014 until WrestleMania 31 was very good. I know he only defended the title maybe like three times. I know people are like, oh, he wasn't there every week, blah, blah, blah. But you go from him killing John Cena at SummerSlam yep. to de- he defended it at, at Night of Champions, but you didn't see him after that until the Royal Rumble, where he had, in my opinion, the best triple threat match probably ever. And one of my favorite matches of that whole year. He had the stuff with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. So we look at that, and it made the title feel special. For the first time in a long time, the WWE World Heavyweight title felt like a special belt. 
it hasn't quite done that with the universal title. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, uh, a th- issue of been there, done that. Doesn't have the same effect, and mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. that first run in t- 2014, 2015 was a was a very good run, and it should have ended with, I mean, it should probably should have ended with Roman Reigns winning, but it ended with one of the most shocking endings to WrestleMania ever, and Seth Rollins cashing in Money in the Bank. In the yeah, bank. and imagining you know thinking back to that and just not having Rollins cash in after the match, having him cash in during the match where Reigns didn't even get the pin. Lesnar and I, I thought right. that was an interesting thing. Maybe it was like a they did they just didn't want to see Lesnar get beat because of that rain. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say that's ex- the whole reason, but that was a very good rain, and that was one that we had even with Punk's. You know, we didn't see the title mean as much as it did when Lesnar held it for that long. You know, yeah. I, I should say in 2014 after he killed Cena, and then you know I, I think he beat. Uh, Rollins, not not Rollins. Did he beat Rollins at Night of Champions? Who did he face at Night of he Champions? He faced Cena again. Was this a rematch? I, I yeah, totally I'm blanked sure it was on a rematch, that. And, it, and I think he won by like DQ or something like that. Yeah, uh, you know, it was it was a very good reign. I, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, I'll go on to the next one. I'm gonna take it back a little bit. How about I'm going back. I'm, I'm going two. I'm going two for here. Jack Briscoe had a really good. Oh, reign. look at you. NWA title reign. He had, his reign was so good he retired afterwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm done with this. Uh, and gotta mention Bruno San Martino had the title mm-hmm. for almost a decade, 1963 to 1971. You know, no one's ever gonna top that. So yeah, Jack Briscoe to NWA had it for about a year, some change. But Bruno San Martino, of course, had the WWE Championship for eight years, selling out Madison Square Garden again, world's most famous arena, uh, countless times. And was like the Babe Ruth of wrestling, or at least for WWE, yeah. uh, for a long time. And that's you know, not only is it you know, yeah, it's a scripted sport and all that, and it's not real, but it's taxing on your body to be in a, to be that good and to be at the top of your game, at the top of your profession for that long. So much respect to Bruno San Martino, and uh, yeah, that was you know, probably it, I don't like I said, not going to be topped as far as length of reign anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'll take mine back a little bit. Uh, not that far, though. I'm going to go back in the 90s. And I'm going to go back WWF 1994. I thought Bret Hart's reign was absolutely incredible. Yeah, kind of, you know, didn't appreciate it then, but, you know, watching matches now, watching old Raws, watching, uh, you know, all the matches that year, he... The Yokozuna match was really good that he beat him for the title, and then you had hit the stare down with Owen, which was great. Uh, he faced like one, two, three kid on one of the Raws, which was awesome. Uh, the match against Bob Backlund on Superstars, where Backlund snaps, like that was great. Uh, you know, under the radar type stuff that you don't really think about, uh, you know, on the surface. Uh, and the cage match against Owen Hart at SummerSlam was one of the best ever, man. Like, I. I can't watch that one enough. Uh, that was perfect. The whole story going into it, Nightheart coming back and turning on Brett and joining Owen, and then Bulldog coming back. Uh, the whole—I just thought that entire year till he lost the title. The way he lost the title was even fantastic uh, to backline a Survivor Series uh, due to Owen Hart. Uh, like you know, like You're throwing in the towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just incredible and something that I took for granted back then. You know, like. I, obviously, I was 
eight, nine years old. I didn't appreciate stuff like that back then. But man, looking back, that was one of the reigns that, you know, he, he was the best, you know, he didn't just say it. He was the best. Yeah. You can define a good reign by a number of different things, like whether the match quality, how much money they made. Right. Uh, but to me, is, 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 is that type of thing, those things, uh, but also the, like the standard, were they like the standard bearer for their perspective, for their respective promotion during that length of time and also length of time as well. I think Bret Hart would set that reign apart from a lot of other ones. Not only just he had classic matches or great matches, but he felt like that was like the standard in WWE. Yeah. Like you had, you know, Bret Hart was the guy. He was a standard bearer, and he was, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like an intangible thing where you can look at a guy and he's the standard of that promotion at that point in time. That's what Bret Hart was. I'm going with another twofer here because they kind of they're the same person for two different reigns. I'm going with Hulk Hogan's reign and from 84 to 88. I mean, that's, again, something that's not going to happen again. Right. Uh, but from a match standpoint, he had some legendary matches, obviously. He had the Andre the Giant match at uh, WrestleMania 3. Uh, he had, you know, countless feuds with, like, Paul Orndorff and stuff like that. Yeah. Main event at the first three WrestleManias as champion. But the business, at least WWF's business, and wrestling in general, exploded while he was champion. It's probably the most... Up until that point, definitely the most impactful reign as of, of a champion ever, and I think it's what Vince McMahon has been kind of re- trying to replicate for years, and he did with Steve Austin. Maybe you could say he did it to a lesser extent with Cena, to a much lesser extent, but I think Hogan was the first guy. I mean Bruno too, but Hogan was the first guy where he saw exponential gains because one guy was a champion. For four years, and from '84 to '88, WWF took over the world as far as wrestling, and that's on the back of Hulk Hogan. And I think, like I said, Vince McMahon has been chasing that type of reign ever since. He just hasn't found the right guy. Plus, he's not going to have a guy hold the title for four years. But maybe for like eight months, or twelve months, he could have a guy like that. It just hasn't happened. Uh, but doubling back with Hogan, the complete opposite of him being the great good guy for everybody to cheer for in '84 through '88. It's his first NWO run and his first world championship run as the head of the NWO in 96 and to 97 and whatnot. I thought that was great because it made a chance for mm-hmm. him to change WCW's business and change yeah. the wrestling business in general because we can't understate the importance of the NWO and Hogan at the forefront of that. And I think uh, whether you go with, I mean, his first run ended when Lex Luger beat him, right? Yeah, on the Nitro. Who cares about that? <laughs> his, that was a guy. That was a great ending. I it it that. was a great run until that point. Yeah, but the, the climactic ending shouldn't have happened there. Even though it's pretty cool, it happened at the right place at Starcade. Now they built it up really yeah. good and it ended poorly. But still, Hulk Hogan's yeah. first title reign in WWE, his first title reign in, in WCW, or not his first, but his first one that's ahead of the NWO and WCW were big ones for me. Yeah, and. Part of like we you mentioned that we're not just looking at you know world titles where we can look at secondary titles you know hey I'm going tag titles I think Edge and Christian's first reign was absolutely awesome because I didn't expect them to win uh, that TLC match uh, with the Dudleys and the Hardys and uh, Edge and Christian uh, when they won I was kind of mad because I th- I think I think I was pulling for the Hardys at that point so and Edge and Christian were still like. 
new to like the title pitchers, so I didn't think they were gonna give them a shot. And uh, you know, the tag team division was on fire back then, and those were the three best teams. And it got me back, kind of back into like their WWF's tag team wrestling was already getting hot at that point. Uh, if not already there, and I just didn't, I didn't latch on. Like I was done with tag team wrestling because of the way they ruined it, you know. Before that, and, like growing up watching regular tag team wrestling on every pay per view, and it almost always opened up a WWF pay per view, and I was so used to all that. And then their tag teams just started sucking ass, and then they come back with all these great teams. You didn't like the smoking guns, man. I mean, I I did, but no, you, you didn't. Know. You want to stop it? <laughs> I did, man. Yeehaw. Uh, so <laughs> I thought that kind of got me back into the tag team wrestling and WWF specifically, uh, where their tag team division was great for years. I, I, I kind of, you know, maybe it was after the brand extension where the tag team started, you know, going, maybe it was before that a little bit, but I just remember for four or five years, I was totally hooked. Well, I'm going with another twofer because they tie in together again. This is how I map things up. There we go. First one I'm going with is Taz and ECW. He was the ECW World Champion. I believe he had the TV title too for a little bit. He did. But I think when Taz was the ECW Champion in 1999, he was the man. Like again, the standard promotion. He's the face of that promotion. He held the title for 252 days, according to WWE.com. But he was the man in ECW when he was the champion. And it, when he, I think he really only lost because he was going to WWE. Yeah. But Taz was an animal. For, like, before WWE got him and ruined him, Taz was a monster in ECW. Like a machine, badass. And when he was champion, he was a man. And no one questioned whether he was a man or not. And people thought that Taz could beat up everybody. And also, let's not forget his TV title reign that lasted 267 days from 97 to 98. But the, the reign that, that tops all reigns as far as ECW is RVD's reign that lasted over 700 days Damn. as TV champion in ECW. Like, a long nearly, time. I think it was literally 23 months. He had that title, which is just incredible. That's ridiculous. And think about the time frame. You know, you you couldn't go one week without like a title change in WCW or WWF. So in ECW, with with that, almost two years. It's yeah. crazy. It was unbelievable. He had it for I think exactly seven hundred days. So easily the most, you know. The longest reign I think ECW's ever had, period. I mean, he had, according to Wikipedia, this is Wikipedia, he had 121 successful title def- defenses. Holy man. Okay, 121. Ooh. All right, so yeah, Rob Van Dam and Taz, probably the two best title reigns. I mean, the other ones like Raven was a good champion and stuff like that, but long and, you know, again, the standard bears doesn't get any better than Rob Van Dam and Taz in ECW. Man, I totally agree with you. Got another one there? Before we wrap <sighs> up? Let's see. I got I got some more. I mean, I was gonna mention 
Randy Savage in 89 when he won the title. Eight, was it 88, I should say, into 89. Yeah, one um, year. Huh? I was going to mention Goldberg's first one in WCW. I was actually going to mention Goldberg's U.S. title reign. I thought that was mm-hmm. great because it was kind of like the precursor. It was like Ken. It was almost like Kenny Handel uh, being a champion. And then for like a month or two, they're like, yep, you know, put the world title on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got Steve Austin's first title reign because business was booming. And he had some memorable matches as well. They did like a Hogan Luger-esque thing with him with Kane winning. And then the next next night, like he won it back. That, that was, was interesting. That was, that, was, that was WWF back then. But I got no, some- I, I said, oh, well, okay, yeah. But I didn't think it was good. they were going to do that to Austin. Like, yeah. he was yeah. the guy. Like, I got some underrated. Well, I mentioned this last one. Now I mentioned two underrated ones. Triple H in 2000, when he held the title in late 99, beat Cactus Jack a couple times in two classic matches, yeah. retained at WrestleMania. He did lose it at Backlash in one of my favorite matches ever. But got it back and lost it again. But those two reigns, I thought, when he was the top heel in wrestling, were huge. I mean, he was – I hated Triple H as a kid. <laughs> it was this time period that made me hate him so much. So I thought that was a very impactful reign. And I got two reigns that I think people should talk about more. I think John Cena's reign in 06 and 07 was great. Uh, he had matches, matches against Shawn Michaels were good. He had matches against Umaga that was good. Edge. Edge. Obviously, the, the ladder match they had at Unforgiven 06, but that's when the reign started. This particular reign I'm yeah. talking about, at least. He had that belt for almost a year. So, yeah, that was a hell of a reign. Probably his, still, his to this day, his best, in my opinion. If you don't look at it, take one of the – he has 16 now. One of the 16 he has – I think that one from 06 to 07, I think that would have been his second or third, maybe. In his yeah, and that, and that, that was the time period I was on the message boards a lot, and you know everyone hated Cena. Not one person liked him. And I'm just kind of reading these messages, kind of like, you guys didn't like, like that match? Like I, I was confused, and that was kind of when I started being introduced to the internet wrestling fan and just kind of being confused about how they could hate uh, – such such good matches, you know, like, you know, yeah, he can't wrestle like Bret Hart, but he doesn't need to, you know, like it was one of those things where not everyone had to be a technically sound wrestler. And, uh, I agree with you. I think the, the reigns around that time period might be among his best. Yeah. And the last one I'll mention, and I'll let you finish up, is Mark Henry's Hall of Pain reign in 2011. And it only lasts 91 days oh. because he got injured. But from even before he won the title, Mark Henry was exactly he found they finally let him be his reach his full potential as an absolute killer, absolute monster that could destroy literally anyone they put in front of him because he was legitimately the strongest man in the world. And that Hall of Pain thing worked. He was over as a heel. He was beating the hell out of Randy Orton every week. It seemed like he was a world heavyweight champion. And for 91 days, he had that mantle. And it was like the crowning achievement of his career. I thought that, especially if he didn't get hurt, it, it was already a great reign. But if he didn't get hurt, it could have been something even more special than what it was. So Mark Henry 2011 Hall of Pain was fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I thought it was well-deserved. You know, I didn't think he was ever going to win a world title. So, And I was kind of mad he didn't beat Cena in 2013, but... 
I digress. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here racking my brain thinking about if if I can think of a WCW like world title reign, and I I, I was thinking about Ric Flair. I, I, like he had a, two reigns in WWF. Uh, neither to me were most particularly memorable. Uh, it's that I liked. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe I was just kind of like I didn't think it was uh, entertaining enough for to like to hold my attention because uh, he won it in January, and then lost it, you know, in, in April. Uh, and then he won it back in September and then lost it in October. So, I mean, his WWF reigns are kind of lame in a way. Yeah. Uh, WCW, uh, he, he just he lost it so much that I'm trying to think of something that was particularly memorable. Maybe in the late 80s when, you know, the Horsemen were feuding with Dusty. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably go with one of the Dusty, the, the reigns he had like in the mid 80s when he was feuding with Dusty. Yeah, maybe that one, or maybe the one he had when he was feuding with Sting. But like you said, he has so many. That's the problem. When he has so many. It's hard to keep track of which ones were the good yeah. ones. Yeah, and uh, that's why the one for Cena in 0607 kind of stands out because he has so many. But if we're, we're talking about memorable, we're talking about things that really left an imprint. You know, like in your mind when when yeah. you're watching this stuff through the years. Uh, you know, and I, I'm. It, it, it's hard and. I don't like any uh, thinking back to like the NWO. Like you, you're right on with Hogan. You know, as a babyface in WWF and as a heel with the NWO. Uh, you know, I guess Goldberg. You know, when he won the world title, that was a pretty cool reign. Uh, you know, he he was. I never understood why he was so popular back then because obviously I was the pro WWF guy, and even though I watched both, I was kind of like, oh, he's a knockoff of Austin. What the hell? Why do people like this guy? He's not even doing anything in the ring. I'm trying to be cool, be, be a cool internet, you know, wrestling fan. And, uh, but it just, he was so intense, and, you know, Kevin Nash beating him for the title kind of pissed me off in, in a way, but uh, it was like he needed to lose at some point. But yeah. you know his his match against CDP, you know that was awesome. Yeah, even had a good match against Sting, you know, even on Nitro, and then I, I think uh, maybe a couple times, you know, throughout his reign. Uh, so you know he deserves credit for that. You know, it was his first title reign, his world title. You know, he's the guy WCW like. He's there, Austin, at, at that point. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a pretty good reign. I got one last one, and then we're going to wrap up. Asuka's reign as NXT Women's Champion. There you go. Just ended last year. That was yeah. that was an incredible run. That was. She had that title for what? Was it 500 some odd days? Something like that. She's 500 days undefeated or something like that. Whatever. She had that belt for a while. She, I mean, she didn't even lose the title. She d- just gave it up when she yeah. went to the main roster. So, yeah, longest reigning champion in NXT history. Uh, one of the longest reigning women's champions, I think, in WWE history. Period. Like it's yeah, that reign was incredible, and she had some kick-ass matches in, in that point, and she just dominated the women's division in NXT. Uh, so yeah, Oscar's NXT Women's Championship reign that started in early 2016 didn't end until what summer 2017. Like, yeah, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So again, things you don't see too much often nowadays. Uh, but it was it was hella good. With that said, take us out with some plugs, Nick. All right, man. And uh, before I hit you up with our plugs, 
You might have noticed the last few weeks, uh, our third man, Brian Isley, hasn't joined us. Scheduling conflicts have prevented him from joining the show. Uh, so if you're wondering where our third man is at, he wants to send a message to you guys. Download Logo on that's Laugh or Get Offended. That's his, his new thing. On Apple Music, Tidal, Google Play, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, Slacker Radio, and it's in rotation on Sirius XM. I don't know a channel, but he said it's in rotation. Maybe it's all the channels. I don't know. That's Logo, L-O-G-O, Laugh or Get Offended. Check it out. It's funny as hell. And hopefully, he's actually recording tonight uh, for Amazon Prime, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have him on the show in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, we miss him. You know, I can't imagine what he would have said tonight about uh, that Money in the Bank card because he's just kind of not a fan of wrestling uh, nowadays. <laughs> can't, can't blame him. It's 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 kind of boring for me too. But he's, he's anyway, too much time on Facebook <laughs> arguing about LeBron and Jordan. I see that too. Every day, every day, (laughs) argument gets old. Who cares at this point? Yeah, LeBron's better. Uh, You can follow (laughs) me at Nick McCone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio and on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash The Straight Shooters. And you can follow me on PhillyInfluencer.com and PhillyVoice.com. I'll have a Money in the Bank recap up Monday morning, so make sure to check that out. All right, I am at Vaughn M Johnson on. Twitter, and like I always say, every week, you can catch me out here in these streets, <laughs> I'll be out here. But we're also out here on all the platforms. We're on YouTube Live right now. Catch us all every week. I watch our pretty, look at our pretty, pretty beautiful faces on YouTube. Uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of episodes are up on there. We're on iTunes, yeah. we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Spreaker, we're on TuneIn Radio, we're on Player FM. And we're, of course, the mothership wildfireradio.com. For Nick McCollin, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening and watching episode 152 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch you all again next week. You've been listening to The Straight Shooters on Wildfire Radio. For advertising opportunities, contact Nick Picone via email at piconenick at gmail.com or call 856-625-1190.